Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. Uh, today, we'll be talking to Reverend Robert Rowe. Uh, Robert, how's it going? Good, John. Good to be here. Yeah, good to be able to see you, even though it's on a screen, uh, and catch up with you a little bit and uh, tell people a little bit about a ministry you're involved in. Uh, today, uh, Robert has been in uh, pastoral ministry for about 20 years. You've done some uh, ministry to children, to youth, and to families. And uh, Robert currently serves as student ministries coordinator of See Jesus, uh, which that will be our focus of discussion today. Uh, those who listen to the podcast know that season four, we're talking about uh, parents and and student uh, ministry workers and how they can partner together. And so we'll talk about that a little bit uh, with Robert, uh, since he's got some experience in that, but also focus on uh, See Jesus. Um, so Robert, uh, we're going to talk about a little bit of just your ministry experience and your testimony in just a little bit. But I did, this is maybe somewhat putting you on the spot a little bit. When I was reading your bio, I did see that you were chased by a moose. <laughs> and that's, that's listed in your bio. And it says you're yeah. working at, at Yellowstone. Could you just share a couple of minutes telling us about yeah. uh, what, what happened there? Yeah, I actually have photographic evidence of that moment. Thanks to my college roommate. At nice. the time. Yeah, I was in uh, working in Yellowstone. And I uh, was out in the middle of the Yellowstone River fishing, had hooked into a trout, mm. and my roommate yells from the shore, Robert, there's a moose, and this big bull moose had gotten in the river, and I thought, oh, he's just going to kind of go across the river and not mess with me, so I just kept fishing, and I caught a fish, so this moose is headed my direction, I'm fighting this fish, I'm you know, my roommate's on shore taking pictures and <laughs> screaming at me. And I, I literally get the fish off the hook and turn around and this thing's about 10 feet from me wow. and coming right at me, charging. And how, and, I mean, how tall is this moose? Is it, I mean, with, I know the horns, everything, what, eight, 10 feet tall? I mean, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a big, big bull moose. And wow. I was in waist deep water trying to run with waders on. <laughs> so I take off running. And uh, this thing is like huffing, shaking his rack, snorting. He's, he's uh, really uh, angry about something. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> so I kept running. He finally, he veered off uh, towards, back towards the shore again and stopped again and looked at me and snorted and then just took off running down the bank. <laughs> wow. It was, it was hilarious. So I guess, yeah, in your scariest moments in life, I mean, where does that rank? Is that up there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interactions with nature. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess you got in its fishing spot, maybe. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, Robert and I didn't discuss this before. He didn't know I was going to ask him that. But if there's any way we could have access to that picture, maybe we could share it on our <laughs> Absolutely, social yeah. media channels so uh, people can check that out. Um, look, we're going to break real quick. We're going to hear from Michael Hall, who works with RYM, going to tell you a little bit about YLT, which I think, Robert, maybe that's the first time we met each other, was at one of the uh, YLTs that RYM uh, puts on its youth theater training. So, Yeah, I believe so. Here's a quick message from Michael, and then we'll get into our interview. Hey, everyone. This is Michael Hall, Director of Training at RYM. Before we get to today's podcast, I want to invite you to gather with ministry leaders from across the country at Youth Leader Training 2020. YLT is a great opportunity for you to take time away to receive life-giving refreshment from the gospel, build encouraging relationships with other leaders, and grow deeper in your understanding of youth ministry in the local church. YLT is open to anyone with a heart for youth ministry. Men and women, full-time, part-time, parents or volunteers. Registration is now open for both locations, Nashville, Tennessee, and Paradise, Pennsylvania. Visit rym.org slash YLT for more information. Hope to see you there. All right, everybody, we are back. Uh, we're talking to Reverend Robert Rowe, uh, who works with See Jesus as the Student Ministries Coordinator, and we're going to hear about that more in just a bit. But uh, Robert, why don't you start just telling us a little bit more about you, where you live, about your family, and then just maybe brief testimony and ministry experience. Yeah, I'm, thanks, John. I'm I'm currently living in Chattanooga in Signal Mountain, Tennessee, and uh, have been here about eight years. And yeah, prior um, 
prior to that, I served in, in Cookville, Grace Press in Cookville, Middle Tennessee. Um, kind of started, started as, a, uh, as a children's director and then uh, did children and youth and then did all youth ministry and then did family ministry. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, kind of the progression of all that was, was a lot of fun and um, a lot of failing and learning and, <laughs> um, in really cool ways. So yeah, it was, it's, uh, we, we love Chattanooga. I've got my wife and I've been married for 22 years. Uh, we've got five children, one with the Lord and four others sent our first one off to college this year. And, uh, and we have a second grader. So there's a big gap between our oldest and youngest. Um, but yeah, it's, it's challenging and a joy all at the same time. Oh yeah. And when you think of just your youth or your ministry experience there, as you're talking about, you know, children all the way up to, to family ministry, I mean, that's, you know, nursery all the way up to, to adult ministry. And that's, that's quite a range to be covering and, and to be uh, dealing with. And even, you know, I, I know this is true for me as I've done youth ministry for a while and now I have a child in youth ministry. Uh, it still doesn't prepare you for parenting and all the, the issues, as you said, a lot of, you know, failing and stumbling and, and all that. So I echo that. Um, and Robert, something I did want to say, and just to, to let our listeners know, I did uh, check with Robert about this before we, we started this uh, podcast. But as you said, that you have a child that, that went to be uh, with Jesus. And I know this is, I mean, me speaking personally, that's a nightmare of mine. Um, that's something I think about my five children and um, just uh, think about going through that. And if the Lord um, did um, allow that uh, to, to come about in our lives. And so I just wanted to ask you a question of, you know, how your brothers and sisters in Christ walked with you and your family through this grieving process and to specifically, you know, give me counsel as well as to those who are listening of how others can minister to those who are hurting and grieving through something like this. Because I know, you know, Nancy Guthrie has an entire book of what's not helpful. And so yeah. just, just hearing yeah. from, from you, I think could be valuable. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it was, it was obviously the hardest time of our lives uh, happened in the year 2000. Uh, she was born with heart congenital heart defects and, which was a surprise to us. It wasn't indicated prior to in the pregnancy. Um, you know, Joey Stewart was our, our pastor at the time. Uh, I had just come on staff at the church uh, and it was um, being the, the most intense moments of our lives. It was, it was as if I was just actually writing a letter um, to Paul Miller and Jill, his wife, who, or on the anniversary of losing their 37-year-old daughter hmm. uh, recently to cancer. And I was writing to them about, I can remember the days of when, when that was close, and it was as if the veil between this life and eternity was just translucent. I could see right through it. It was like heaven was just so close. Hmm. Um, and, and our... Our church family, it, honestly, John, it was, it was when I, it was God's use of that that confirmed my call into ministry of the way that Joey ministered to us as our pastor, the way the elders uh, surrounded us, the way the church community loved us through that. Um, it was when we really fell in love with the church, uh, the way that they uh, just loved us well through a really, really difficult time. And so it's, it's been an awesome testimony. You know, I think the Lord's used it in all of my kids' lives mm -hmm. as we talk about her and talk about heaven a lot. And uh, it's just this, the hope of the resurrection uh, is on the forefront of my mind uh, pretty, much every, pretty much daily since that happened. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, um, I think the things that, Ministry of presence and few words uh, is one way that, uh, you know, I think about the whole grid of my life now kind of passes through the person of Jesus. And it makes me think about Jesus at the tomb of 
of Lazarus, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of words spoken, you know, when you compare it to times where he was doing sermons and, and, and talking, Jesus was really good at leaving space for, for things. Um, and I think that, I think the, the picture of Jesus who knew he was what he was about to do and he was the resurrection and the life and he knew he was getting ready to raise Lazarus. I uh, hated seeing the, the, the ravages of sin and death on, on his friend and just wept with those who were weeping. And I think that knowing uh, the realities of, uh, of the way Jesus ministered to those who were grieving uh, is, is the example for me to, to do that as well. So it's, I, I really do think a ministry of presence and, and few words mm. and incarnating with people in those moments is the most important thing. Mm. Amen. That, that is such a good word. That's such wise counsel. And I appreciate that. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I hope some, some encouragement to you to see how your daughter is still ministering to others uh, today yeah, yeah. her life. I mean, the fact that we're having this conversation, um, I, I hope and I pray is, is an encouragement uh, to you. Um, I think that is so important to hear that just the importance of presence and, and few words that we, we are so uncomfortable with silence. Um, mm-hmm. that the way we often just want to, to feel that. I mean, I can remember uh, talking to a, a counselor who has, you know, decades of counseling experience and him just saying, uh, you've got to get comfortable with silence. Yes. Um, and you just don't need to feel like you need to say anything or have an answer all the time. Just sit and be with someone. Um, so, yeah, and Jesus, Jesus was amazing at that. Mm. All the, and I'll talk about that a little bit later, maybe if we get a chance. But mm. it's just amazing to watch how he provides space for the spirit to work and for faith to, to bloom and for personalities to emerge. And uh, it's really interesting. Mm. Well, Robert, thank you again uh, for sharing that. Um, as I said from, from the outset, uh, the, the fourth season of this podcast is focused on our theme as youth workers partnering with parents in the midst of, of ministry. And uh, we're, we're going to get into See Jesus. You mentioned Paul Miller and the, the letter you were writing to him. He's the executive director of See Jesus for those who uh, have not heard of Paul Miller, <laughs> which uh, he's a pretty well-known guy. So I'm sure many of you have heard of him, but we'll, we'll talk about all that in just a little bit, but with you having this, you know, children ministry experience, youth ministry experience, family and youth ministry experience, give it, give us some practical insights on hey, what, what are some ways in which you partnered with parents in the midst of ministry? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. I, I did not have this grandiose plan of this is what, um, this is what should be done for uh, doing parents ministry. Um, you know, there was, there was an organization of, of, of some fellowship mills and those kind of things. Um, but ultimately I, I feel like part of what we're called to do as, as youth pastors is that, that most youth pastors are really good at is just doing life with their students. And, and I think it's just no different with their parents. It's just doing life with their parents. And so I would, you know, one real practical thing, I would go out of my way uh, to ignore my students at the beginning and at the end of youth group weekly because I wanted to be talking with parents. Mm-hmm. And I let interns and stuff, you know, have fun with, with students during that time. But it was a time for me to make connections and to set up, hey, you want to have coffee this week? You want to have lunch? And I was just, just as much as I was purposeful in doing that with students, I was, I was sometimes even more so doing it with their parents uh, and spending a lot of time with them and, and just, just doing life with them and praying with them. And, and uh, you know, I was, a lot of times I was younger than most parents. So it was, it was this awkward, like, I can't really give you much advice on <laughs> And uh, so as I got older, that became more comfortable for me. Um, But man, there's nothing like sitting across from a parent who longs to hear some kind of word of affirmation that 
man, your student said this the other night. It was so encouraging. I just want to encourage you with that. Or they really give an amazing testimony of you as a parent. Um, I just think parents constantly need encouragement. And, and so I, that I, was... I'm into that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing better than hearing outside of your home some kind of spiritual growth that your youth pastor sees. Uh, and that's just, I think, passing that stuff along to parents and saying, you know, it's just like with my kids trying as much as I berate them and correct them. I hope that I, that I overly emphasize words of affirmation as well. Um, and parents need that too. Um, so that's a, that's a super practical way. I think that it would be helpful. And then, and then ultimately just, um, helping, helping parents fall in love with Jesus, just like you are the students. Um, and that's done in a, a myriad of ways. But if, if you're helping students fall in love with Jesus and they go home to parents that uh, aren't grappling with what it means to know Jesus, then um, there's always going to be a hard disconnect in your ministry. And that, that's, you know, we have a lot of unbelieving parents that send their parents to youth group, and that's part of the nature of, of it. But um, at the core of it, helping the parents fall in love with Jesus just as much as the students. Mm, yeah, such good advice. And I mean, by implication of that, um, you know, helping the parents fall in love with Jesus, we as <clears throat> youth workers have to also be in love with Jesus and be spending time in the word yeah. and feeding upon that. And so I think that's such, yeah. such good encouragement. And it just, I like the way that you said it of, you know, going back to your, your first part of ignoring students, you know, at the beginning and end of those nights of youth ministry, if that's a Wednesday night or Sunday school, picking up students, whatever the case may be. Um, I think that's such good advice because I can remember specifically starting out in youth ministry and doing the opposite of ignoring yeah. the parents because I, I was terrified of them. And I was just, you know, it's kind of like they'd walk into the room and I'd cower in the corner, just, you know, get yeah. away from, from the parents. But to be intentional like that of, okay, I've given these students plenty of time. They've heard me. I'm going to go make a beeline for this parent and then talk to them. Um, yeah, really good, good advice. Um, well, as I was mentioning, uh, Robert and I first met at RYM's youth leader training. You heard Michael talk about that in our, our little break. Uh, this past uh, YLT in Nashville, you taught an elective entitled The Missing Person of Jesus. And, and just for those who are listening, I, I'd encourage you to, uh, we, we've got an RYM conference app. Uh, you can, uh, or RYM conference podcast, you can uh, download and listen to that talk, or you can go to our website and go to our resource tab, and you'll see conference media, and you can find Robert's elective on there and, and listen to that. I'd encourage you to do that. Um, but the elective was titled, entitled The Missing Person of Jesus. And in that elective, you reference a man named Dan Spader. And uh, just the impact, how the Lord used him in your life. Can you just tell us a little bit about how his teaching challenged your thoughts of Jesus? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was invited to, he did a, a one-day conference here in Chattanooga. A friend of mine invited me. I thought, man, it's going to just be like all those other discipleship conferences I've been to. And, uh, but I'll go. And, um, and he started, uh, he just, uh, the Holy Spirit just used him in really powerful ways uh, to talk about the person of Jesus that I'd, in ways that I'd never heard before. And I've been in the church for my whole life and been in the PCA since college. And so it's, uh, it just, just blew me away. And uh, my experience, what I realized is that my experience and my views of Jesus were that he floated above life and that he was kind of the superhero uh, or another way of saying it, I, I had, I had theologized Jesus and he was uh, not real to me. And when, uh, when Dan Spader made a helpful distinction between the first and second Adam, uh, and he started talking about we're, we're fallen humanity, but Jesus is the fullness of humanity. Or in other words, Jesus was uh, man as God intended man to be. 
And so if, if I wanted to understand what it meant to be fully human, then I should probably look at the second Adam, the one who was <laughs> the fullness of humanity. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was just, I don't know what it was in that moment. It was really earth shattering, mm-hmm. uh, soul shaking. It was exciting and scary all at the same time. And it sent me on this kind of five year journey uh, that uh, I started I was pretty quiet because I felt like we were, I felt like I had just become very theologically dry and I was trying to live uh, life as a Christian um, through theologizing everything. And so uh, even the, even the language of gospel centered this and that was, I thought, man, okay, I'll wake up every morning tell myself I'm a sinner. I'm saved by grace. Jesus is my righteousness. Preach the gospel to myself every day. I got it. I'm an adopted son of the King. Okay, go. Um, but it, there, I just, uh, I just felt like I'm, there was, there was no Velcro or something to my faith. And I, and I really felt like there was, in those moments over those five years, there was kind of this resurrection in, in my life that the Holy Spirit did uh, that really started to transform. I walked out of there kind of going with this deep sense of going, I want to know how Jesus lived life. I want to know how Jesus walked. Um, and that's, that's been my journey. And then to come across uh, somebody put me on to Paul Miller stuff, and it's just been really life transforming and life giving. Uh, that this uh, this Christian thing, this following Jesus thing, um, I was being I wanted to be captivated by the person at the center of it. Hmm. Um, and and when you say um, that this was kind of a five year journey. Where are you at the beginning of this journey? Are you still in local church ministry? Uh, what, you know, when did you, I guess, the timeline of coming on staff with, with C. Jesus? I know, again, we keep teasing out C. Jesus. We're going to get into that a little bit yeah. more, but I know this leads into that. So where were you at the beginning of this five-year journey? Yeah, I was, I was the family pastor at First Pres, First Presbyterian Church in Chattanooga. Um, so I was, you know... I was busy and I was doing all the, all the things that we do in ministry and uh, preaching the gospel um, faithfully uh, I felt. And, but, but there, there was just this, this sense of um, life that was coming back into me as I discovered the beauty of the person of Jesus. Um, I just felt like I had been captivated by theology, maybe even captivated captivated by the teaching of the person, but not captivated by the person. Mm-hmm. And so my eyes uh, weren't trained to see him. And, and it's all over the scriptures and the gospels. I just, our Western training, honestly, is it doesn't train us to see personhood. Mm-hmm. It trains us to see propositional truth. Um, and I had fallen in love with propositional truth and not a person. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I love, and I know as we're having this conversation and getting into some of this, what we're not <laughs> saying, I know you're not saying this and I'm not saying, you know, theology is unimportant. This just kind of gets into yeah, kind of this, this feeling, but I like how you state, you know, your theology had just become dry because it's just this truth that seems to be disconnected from the person of Jesus, you know, as we, and, and I, I like that you say just all the gospel centered everything, you know, we can get so, at least I can get tired of just hearing gospel centered this gospel centered that. And we just kind of become, okay, it's just this white noise that we're hearing. And, mm. you know, in, in the elective, you state that the church has a whole and it's theology. And, you know, as we're talking about the humanity of Christ, the incarnation, kind of in that context. What, what do you mean exactly by this statement that the church has a whole in its theology? Yeah, and that, and that ties in with kind of those five, that five-year journey. Because what I discovered uh, in, that, in that journey was I started to look for everything I could find. I said, first of all, I started consuming the Gospels just 
just really diving into them, looking at uh, what I've been learning that Jesus actually spends time in prayer. He, he spends, he, he probably memorized the scriptures. He wasn't born with this like downloadable SD card <laughs> that he just automatically knew it. Um, yeah, it was without sin. And so that his memory was amazing. Uh, so it, it, all those kind of things of thinking about the person of Jesus in those ways, uh, I just realized um, as I started to research and look that, that not much had been written on the person. Uh, and I even started thinking back to my seminary days and, you know, my, my theology classes, the, the length of time that we spent on the person of Christ uh, was mostly revolving around the hypostatic union and uh, those really important doctrines, um, but but not a whole lot on parsing that out a little bit. And let's see who this person was, because I, I I love theology and I think it's it it, it is the foundational core of uh, of of doing life as a follower. It's vastly important. Uh, but if it's disconnected from the person, it's kind of lifeless. Hmm. So, um, yeah, part of that missing that hole in in its theology in the, in our church's history really goes back to the Protestant Reformation. I think we have we've done so much great work, and it needed to be done on the work of Christ. Um, and historically, uh, that meant that we've kind of neglected. Um, the person. And so as I started collecting and finding as much as I could to read, uh, you can fill up libraries full of books that have been written on the work of Christ. And obviously that is vastly important, um, but you, you can't fill up one room with the number of, of things written on the person of Jesus. Um, and just to, there's lots of reasons for this. And I've, yeah, I was going to ask for, yeah, if, if you could list a couple why you think. I mean, some of this might be speculation, but some of it could be accurate. Why, why do you think some of those reasons that we've missed this? Yeah, I've been, I've been wrestling with that. And I actually called Paul the other day and I said, I said, Paul, what, like I'm reading through the book of Acts looking for the influence of the person on his disciples and looking for where the traces that we lost the sense of the person. And he said, he believes that it happened so early in church history from the influence of Gnosticism that we, we lost that sense of a person and we lost, and we kind of lost the Jewishness of a person. Um, they had a much broader view of what humanity uh, was and very holistic view and the Greeks and the Gentiles. And they had a very narrow view of what that meant. And so, Early on, I think there was an influence of you know the Greek Stoics, uh, Gnosticism, and then you you know then you go into the kind of the Pietistic movement, um, which I think sometimes loses the reality of what it means to be human. Um, and you think about one thing that that Paul brings out that it took the church 1,900 years before anyone wrote about the emotional life of Jesus Christ. And that was B.B. Warfield. Hmm. I mean, think about it. In 1900 years, there's a vacuum for there was a significant writing on his emotions. Wow. Uh, and yet we wonder at times, why, why are people going outside the church for answers to emotional struggles to difficulties, anxiety, all the, you know, the counseling industry has boomed and I'm grateful to the Lord for the counseling industry. Um, and it's filling that void. I think that the church maybe hasn't addressed because we've lost the sense of the person of Jesus. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's helpful. And, and Robert, I know also in that elective, uh, you said that we're great at union with Christ, but we're terrified of imitating Christ and that there's an imitation that we need to get back to. And I mean, that goes to, to just some of your earlier points of just that there's so much about the work of Christ that we're good on and you could fill rooms with 
uh, works written on you know union with Christ and the work of Christ. Um, but you know, as you said earlier, you know Jesus was and is you know fully God and fully man, and He is the complete sense of what it means to be uh, human. Um, and so, why would we be afraid of or terrified of imitating Christ? And um, what are some of the pushback on that? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think honestly, I think it's the fun uh, part of the fun and joy of the Christian life is that the the very spirit of Jesus is what Luke calls him, and, and Acts is compelling us, molding us, pruning us, pressing us into to look more like the second Adam. Um, that we live out of our, our true humanity as image bearers. And obviously it's by his power, uh, by the power of the spirit that I can begin to imitate Jesus. But it, it, it's, you know, to show compassion, to learn what honesty looks like, to learn how to deal with a Jesus who, who was anxious in the garden of Gethsemane, who, who, uh, who dealt with, who dealt with anger and who, did sadness really well and who did joy really well and all these aspects of, of Jesus dependence and how he was dependent on his father and on the spirit to do life. And um, so we learn what it means to imitate him by watching the way he did life. And I think we're scared of it often because in the past it has led to really some, some really bad practices. It's led to legalism. Um, it's led to living life, um, you know, by the letter of the law. Um, it's, it's usually, uh, you know, in my good reformed paradigm, uh, a lot of times my reaction to imitation teaching is my fallen condition. I'm fallen condition focused. And so I'd usually say, Oh well, I can't. I can't do that. I just got to go preach the gospel to myself again. And reality is that that piece of that is true, but there's also a ton of exhortations in Scripture uh, that call us to walk as Jesus walked, to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, uh, to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. Peter says, like those aren't just empty exhortations. Mm-hmm. There's a reality that we have the very spirit of Jesus in us compelling and moving us to walk as Jesus walked. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's so good. And I know, I mean, as you're talking about imitating Jesus and, and, and you're even you know, highlighting Jesus did sadness perfectly. Jesus felt anxious in the garden of Gethsemane in a way that was not sinful anxiety. You know, Jesus, yeah was angry. We, we know that. And we know that in his anger, it was perfectly pure, righteous, just, you know, um, anger that he experienced. Um, yeah, about- John, I think too, I think too, there's like, there's an aspect to this, you know, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Jesus says, learn from me. From gentle and lowly in heart. I'm like, man, I want to be like Mary who just sat at the feet of Jesus. And learned from him. And you think about the principle, Jesus taught the principle of love your enemies. I can go and teach my student that in youth group. I can give that propositional truth that is real, that is important. Um, but I can also give them the person who lived that truth out. And Jesus, even in the last week of his life, you see it so clearly of the way he loved, loved Judas by washing his feet, he, he puts the ear back on of a soldier whose ear gets cut off. <laughs> he's, he's before Pilate, his, the one who's going to execute him, and he's, and he's tenderly asking Pilate, if, is this what you believe or is this what people have told you? Like he's, he's giving opportunity for Pilate to believe. Mm. And then he's, he's the, they're nailing him to the cross, and he says, Father, forgive them. There's a thief beside him that believes he takes care of his mom. Like there's all these moments of just in the last moments of his life mm. where he's showing us what it means to love your enemies. Mm. And I think when we take propositional truth and pair it with 
the example of watching Jesus live that truth out, the man of truth, it just, it just takes on a whole new level of reality that my faith becomes really tangible. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, this is, uh, you know, I guess the, the literal sense of, you know, putting meat on the bones of our theology. I mean, we're talking about the incarnation here, um, yeah. but, but there's so much, you know, when we hear, I, I would assume many Christians, when we hear imitating Jesus, we're thinking of, okay, just kind of maybe, as you said at the beginning, just floating around and being, you know, holy, pious, but to see he was truly a human that struggled in ways, again, perfectly sinlessly, but, but to, mm. to see the encouragement that we can imitate him in those ways in which we are struggling. And, and one thing, and this is, I think the last time I'll reference your elective, but you did share a story about um, just kind of how the Lord brought that home one moment of uh, being tempted with anger with one mm. of your children. And, yeah. uh, you know, as you say in the elective, there are plenty of points in your uh, parenting where you failed. <laughs> this is one where, where God um, just allowed you to respond in, in a helpful way. Uh, would you mind sharing that a little bit and just sure. flesh out this, uh, no pun intended there, but, but just <laughs> flesh, out, flesh out this understanding of, you know, possibly imitating Jesus in the midst of anger? Yeah, there's uh, my oldest son uh, came in from school one day, one evening, and don't know what was going on, but he just started kind of smarting off, being really disrespectful, so much so that my wife, who's very uh, calm, uh, kind of jumped on him and said, Tyler, you're, you're being really disrespectful uh, to your dad. And I've talked to Tyler about this. So he's cool with me sharing the story. Um, and so I go, I, I kind of, I didn't react. I had been in the, I had been in those few weeks, been, been studying and listening to Paul Miller's stuff on, on our website, on the love course it's called the love course. And he does a, a section of that on Jesus and Jesus emotions. And I've been listening about Jesus and anger because I've struggled with anger a lot. And so in that moment, I, I had this, this thought of how would Jesus react right now? Um, and so I, I walked into the kitchen a little ways away from my son, and, and then he, he yells from the family room, oh, so now you're going to give me the silent treatment. And so it was like, you know, you could feel the blood pressure rising and ready to launch out. And, and you're thinking, okay, maybe I should turn the tables over like he <laughs> did at this moment. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, it's, fixing to get, it's fixing to get messy in here. <laughs> um, so, so I said, no, Tyler, I said, honestly, I'm, I'm thinking about how Jesus dealt with his emotions. And he kind of stormed past me. I went upstairs. Uh, about 10 minutes later, he comes down. He's a quick repenter, uh, which I'm thankful for. And apologized, Dad, I'm sorry. I was disrespectful. Please forgive me. And we were, it was reconciled. And I thought, man, in that, I knew my whole life the principle in Ephesians 5 to not exasperate my children. I knew not to be angry in my heart. I knew I was be sinning against my and I knew those truths, but it wasn't until I saw Jesus live out his emotions and handle his emotions as the, as the fullness of humanity that it began to stick and, and really changed me. I just, I think part of what we're dealing with in our culture right now and the statistics that are so awful for the future of uh, of younger generations leaving the church and not returning. Uh, I just, I'm convinced that part of that, there's lots of reasons, but part of that is that we have helped kids try to fall in love with truth mm. and given them lots of propositional truth, uh, but not help them see the beauty of his person. Mm. Then they're going to listen to truth. Um, and that, I'm just, that's part of the passion of the, the joy of what I get to do is see Jesus with youth pastors is to help them fall in love with Jesus um, and see the beauty of his person and the way he does life so well. And I can learn from that and I can, 
it, it just captures my heart to see the beauty of, of that lived out in, in him. And so truth follows that. Yeah. And that, that's a, that's a perfect segue. Um, so much of what we've been talking about is really aspects of what see Jesus does, but, but tell us what is the ministry of see Jesus, you know, a little bit about the mission, the, the vision and, and how you practically seek to fulfill that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for allowing me to, to do that. It's a, we're a, a global discipling mission. Um, so it's a, a really a simple mission vision is uh, of, of that see Jesus is uh, that to help the church see and reflect the beauty of Jesus. And, you know, globally we have lots of, lots of uh, trainings uh, all over the world, uh, lots of um, different things going on where we're discipling and uh, it's a discipleship ministry. And we really do that through three primary pieces of our ministry. And those three are paired with um, kind of Paul's passion who started the ministry 20 so years ago. The, per- the It's really the spirit of Jesus, which is, prayer and the movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then the other prong of that is the person of Jesus, which is a lot of what um, brought me into the, uh, the ministry, um, just seeing his personhood. And then, and then the third will of that is the pathway of Jesus. Uh, it's, it's this um, dying and rising uh, map of the Christian life that, that we're called to die and rise, die to ourselves. And there's a resurrection, a daily resurrection that occurs in that. And that's Paul's new work, uh, his new book called The J-Curve, that, that really emphasizes that pattern of life. So those three, those three stools of three legs of the stool, if you will, for our ministry, the spirit, person, and pathway. And, and then we carry those out through resources, Bible studies, um, interactive Bible studies. We do, we do seminars and, and workshops and trainings in churches with, uh, with small groups, with small group leaders, with pastors. Um, and then the third part of that is we, we're developing trainers. So we, we have a cohort apprenticeship uh, trainer model uh, that we're longing to, <clears throat> excuse me, that we're longing to, to be part of uh, those three parts of the ministry. So if someone wants to go deep in J-curve stuff, then we will take a cohort through that of, of four or five guys. And um, a praying life is a big part of our ministry too and helping guys learn how to pray because we all stink at it. And, uh, <laughs> so that's a, that's a nutshell of, of, uh, of what our ministry is about. Yeah. And, and, and tell, tell us too, I mean, we're the, the home office is based. I know I was looking up a little information yesterday and just, you know, seeing how many people are on staff and you said global ministry, you're, you're spread out. So give us just a little bit of, of that as well, you know, home office, but then also how is this global and um, just number of staff off the top of your head, not putting you on the spot to get it exactly right. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. Yeah. There's, we have about uh, 15, 12 to 15 full-time staff uh, and then about 15 who are part-time or trainers and so the, the home office is in Telford Pennsylvania which is about an hour north of Philly and there uh, we have some guys who one one of our um, staff members lives in Jordan uh, one in Guatemala we have two guys uh, that uh, do trips to or three guys one one who's kind of over Asia uh, and one who's over Central America, one who's over um, Africa, um, Middle East area. Uh, and the, the one crazy statistic is there's 12 people on our staff uh, that, that are fluent in Spanish. Um, wow. So we actually have a lot, of, a lot of Paul's material that's been translated into Spanish uh, wow. and guys that are really gifted in that. So um, yeah, it's a really unique picture. So when we do Zoom calls, it's you know people from all over the country and all over the world that are 
uh, calling in and we do those three times a week and we spend a lot of time and most of that time is spent in prayer uh, for the ministry. Um, so it's been, it's been really fun. I, I've, I've spent more time. This is um, really uh, hard to admit, but true. So I'm just going to say it. I've spent more time in prayer with the ministry of See Jesus than I did in pastoral ministry in the church, local church. Mm-hmm. And that shouldn't have been that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully that can encourage someone. Yeah, no, I was going to say it absolutely is. I mean, that's, I've said this before on this, this podcast that uh, uh, quoting Kevin DeYoung, he says, you know, you make people feel really guilty really quick when you bring up uh, quiet times, <laughs> you know, just, yeah. How's your Bible reading going? How's your, your prayer life? And we you know there's definitely a <laughs> spiritual warfare component to that. There's a, you know, sinful flesh component to that. And, um, but, but I think it, there's something just so refreshing to admit the struggle and to just kind of put it out there and be candid about it and, and let people know this, this is a battle. I mean, I know Paul Miller and the praying life, I mean, talks about, well, you know, why is it, is it so hard and just gets into some of that uh, more explicitly. Um, and really maybe that's a, a good segue as well. I, I was going to get you to talk just a little bit about uh, Paul Miller. Uh, many who are listening know um, him from the book Praying Life and J-Curve as uh, Robert uh, just mentioned. And, and just to, to let our listeners know, we're going to be giving away some free copies of his uh, books. So be sure to, to stick around to listen how you can possibly get one of those. Um, but he's, so said the ex- executive director of C Jesus and, you know, with them being fairly well known out there and, and uh, there have been those who've been discipled through these resources. Uh, I'd love to just hear from you specifically. Uh, what are some things you've learned from him walking alongside him kind of a, a behind the scenes of, you know, as you mm-hmm. said, you got to, have a phone call with him recently, you're in correspondence with him, maybe some of the kind of less public ways in which he's specifically ministered to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, I remember walking into his office the first time I went to Telford and his children had made a, some kind of art piece for him but it had all these sayings and one of them that just stuck out to me was that his daughter had put in there, dad, thanks for always practicing what you preach. Mm. And that was when I first, I hadn't known Paul very long and, and I've really just seen that lived out. He is, he's a relentless, he's in a relentless pursuit of knowing and falling in love with Jesus. And, and he works constantly at battling the flesh. And he's very honest about his struggles with pride and his, uh, he's, I just feel this great freedom that I could tell him anything. And he would go, Oh yeah, me too. And Mm -hmm. uh, he, there's not an air about him at all. Uh, I remember one of the one of the things I, I remember, you know, in youth ministry, you're always feeling, whether it's external or internal, you're always feeling this pressure to produce greater numbers in your youth ministry. And I felt that my whole ministry life, really, um, like you're holding on in this desperate <laughs> way of this family, please don't leave um, if they're moving or whatever. and it was just very freeing when I first joined the ministry and Paul just said, if you have a, you have a seminar or you have a, a, a study you're going to do and there's, there's three or four people there. That's great. Like go for it. And it, it's just, it's just this sense of, he always talks about how Jesus was low, slow and hidden. Hmm. And that pace of life, that Jesus lived uh, and Paul is an extremely busy guy writing a lot and leading a ministry organization. I mean, it's, it's a lot, um, but he's, uh, he's a very humble, uh, caring um, guy that just does 
does life like Jesus. He's he's living out what he what he teaches, and it's just been fun. And he's he's kind of a goofball too. Uh, <laughs> He jokes around a lot and makes fun of himself a lot. And uh, He's a big outdoorsman. He loves hiking and camping with his kids, which you kind of see that in a lot of his books. Um, so, and, it, and lastly, John, I think he's been through a lot of suffering, uh, a lot of struggle in, in ministry, uh, a lot of, um, a lot of loss in his life. Uh, you know, he just recently lost his daughter to cancer, which I mentioned earlier. And now he's actually right now in, in London with his mom, who's 94 and could be passing away. Hmm. Um, lost his nephew last year um, to cancer as well. So it's, it's just, and, and to come through all that with his, with his lamenting, and the realities of his struggles and sharing those openly. Um, usually when people come out on the other side of tragedy and struggle like that with faith intact and, and even stronger um, kind of commands my attention to listen to them hmm. if they've done suffering well. So this whole J curve book, I feel like is a real revolutionary book for the counseling industry and for uh, kind of a map for life of what it means, what we're always thinking future resurrection. When we we say the word resurrection, we're always thinking someday that will come. And Paul just takes this journey and says, resurrection's all around us. It's, It's daily in the midst of these dyings that we go through. Are we looking for resurrection? And so it's just, he's just been, it's been wonderful to sit under uh, him and, and learn from him. It's been great. I had a, one friend of mine just said, I was trying to make the decision to a church plant. Do I go do this with see Jesus? And he was like, Robert, like <laughs> you get to go do ministry with Paul Miller for, like, even if it's not forever. Yeah. I'm going to smack you over the head if you don't take yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which was very helpful advice. Mm. And now that's excellent to hear that. I mean, so much good stuff there. I mean, just going back to that first, as you said, is his child saying, dad, thanks for practicing what you preach. That, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, you hear so many of those stories of those in ministry who grew the ministry, grew the church um, at the cost of the family. And so to, yeah. to, to see that, that someone who is, saying these things, leading in this way, doing so much, but then also behind the scenes um, in a less public way, loving on uh, his family. That speaks volumes. Uh, so that's, that's excellent. I'm um, encouraging to hear that. Uh, Robert, we're about to be wrapping this up, but a question we often ask is just, uh, what, what are you currently reading? Is there something you'd like to share that's uh, been significant right now? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I, d- I just got through finishing reading the book of Acts. Uh, and, nice. I'm first That's a good one. <laughs> and first John. And really what I'm doing, through, just through a different lens, is looking at those books through the lens of the influence of the person of Jesus and the way he loved. Uh, how did that impact the way his apostles loved? How John loved, how Peter loved, how Paul loved. Uh, how Luke loved um, just watching that unfold and seeing it in different ways is really cool. Uh, and, you know, looking for those patterns imprinted on his followers is it's really exciting, like really exciting to read the scriptures, uh, looking for the person of Jesus, even in the old Testament of pictures of that. Um, so yeah, a few guys that I'm, that I've been reading um, on Lately, uh, I've just, I just find everything I can on the person of Jesus and consume it. So a lot of Paul, all of Paul's stuff, uh, Dan Spader's uh, got a workbook called Walking as Jesus Walked, which is, yeah, I think it pushes, like when I started it, I was kind of uncomfortable, hmm. uh, but it was kind of the beginning of that journey for me. And so um, Mark Jones uh, has a lot of, He's done a lot of work on the person of Jesus and really, really, really good, high 
like high thought stuff and really, really well done on, uh, I can't remember the name of, I was trying to remember, oh, Knowing Christ is the one that Mark Jones wrote. Uh, and so I've been reading through that recently. And, uh, and then lately I've been reading, I don't know if many folks have heard of John Mark Comer out of Portland, Oregon, uh, but he's, he's really thoughtful and especially addressing cultural issues and what it means to follow Jesus in this post-Christian world. Mm-hmm. He's just really, really good. And I've enjoyed that. And he's got a podcast that's called This Cultural Moment, which is really good. So between Seeing Jesus podcast, RYM podcast, John <laughs> Comer's podcast, I got, I got a, good, a good plethora of podcasts to listen to. And so, yeah, that's a lot of what I'm, what I'm doing. Well, thanks for squeezing our, our podcast in there. Um, that's right. Yes. <laughs> um, listen, I, don't, I need to say this. Uh, Robert will be at Youth Leader Training uh, Northeast in Paradise, Pennsylvania. Aren't you speaking? There is yes. right. Okay. Yeah, Paul, I believe Paul will be there too. So excellent. I couldn't remember for sure if that was uh, confirmed, and I, I don't know. Will you be at the Nashville one as well? Uh, possibly. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so Robert will be there, and as I've already said, be sure to check out his uh, elective audio that's on our our website. Um, Robert, how how can people find out more information about See Jesus? Tell us a little bit. Just the website resources, training, all that stuff. Yeah, you can go to uh, cjesus.net, and uh, I think there's there's some great offerings there. Uh, you can honestly, personally, just contact me. It's robertrowe at cjesus.net, and email me. Um, I'd love to love to help your church. I think I think there's a there's a key piece uh, that we are offering the next generation that's kind of weary and tired of Christian lingo, numbed by cultural Christianity. Um, and, and really that younger generation is being offered a better view uh, of humanity by our culture. And so, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, it's not the first time that's happened. Yeah, I'm sure. But I really do, John, think that there's, that, that culture is offering right now a better view, vision of the good. And a, vi- a better vision of what it means to be human, and really, um, there's a there's a lot of that that's starting to break down because secularism has promised these things, and I think that's why we're seeing a ramp up in anxiety and depression and suicide because what was promised, this false humanity, is crumbling, yeah. and so people are lashing out in social media. That's, I mean, I think that's part of the reason why. And I think getting back to really the basic level of who is this person uh, is a really helpful, this person of Jesus to learn what it looks like to be human, to learn what it looks like to love and to do life is an intricate piece of that. So hmm. yeah, that's, Fascinating correlation there. I mean, sincerely, sounds like we should have you back on just to discuss that <laughs> one thought right there of just how the oh, culture man. culture is offering that and how it's starting to break down. But I'd love to to discuss that further. Um, I know uh, you need to get going, and um, uh, really appreciate, as I said, just uh, to everyone who comes on sincerely, uh, just giving the time to come on and to. Uh, to share uh, what the ministry is doing. It's exciting to hear it, exciting that you're a part of this. And um, as I told our our listeners, uh, we do want to offer some free resources. And so we're going to be giving away three books by Paul Miller. Um, and I'm trying to remember, it's A Praying Life is one, J-Curve is the other, and Love Walked Among Us. Love Walked Among Us. And so uh, for those who want to uh, possibly have a chance uh, to get one of those copies, uh, here's what here's what you can do. Uh, you can, if you go follow the local youth worker on uh, our social media uh, Instagram account, or you could do this over Facebook, um, and like a picture. We're actually going to put the picture of Robert being chased by the moose. <laughs> We're going to put that on social media somewhere. If you just like that, uh, you'll be entered. Your name is going to be entered and a chance to to win one of these free books. So again, we'll have three winners. 
And uh, thanks to t- just see Jesus for being willing to give those books away. Uh, so thanks for that, Robert. But, uh, but yeah, be sure to, to check those awesome resources out. Robert, it's been so good to catch up with you and just to, to hear more about uh, this ministry. So thanks so much yeah. for taking the time. Yeah, thanks, John. I appreciate you and what, what RYM is doing for youth ministry. It's awesome. So thanks for letting me be a part of it. Absolutely. Yeah, I look forward to, to hopefully seeing you in person before too long. So take care. All right, thanks. Oh, come and buy without money. Oh, come and feast without pay. For the king has opened his banquet hall to the beggar, the outcast, and the slave. For the king has opened his banquet hall to the beggar, the outcast, and